0: Yeah, we've been together now, what, oh, six months, right? And, uh, I don't know, we've become like, uh, a little family. And I just wanted you to know that, pal. Thanks, bud. Yeah. So, what's, what's on your mind? I want you to fire Dell. <laughs> yeah, I want him gone. Au revoir, hasta luego, shalom, sayonara, the whole thing.
1: He's a great puppeteer, bud.
0: But he's upsetting Rita. And she's the star of the show. One of the stars of the show. She's only one of the performers. Okay, only one of the performers, but at least she operates her own head, you know?
2: <laughs> Look, bud. Dell and I came here together.
0: We're going to leave here together. If you
1: fire him, you fire me. Whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on,
2: Gare. Come on,
0: like up. I mean, well, did I say anything about firing him? I mean, look, but, but I'll talk to
2: him, okay?
0: I couldn't ask for anything more. Gare, you know something? You've got integrity. I like that in a man. dad.
2: You hate integrity.
0: Yeah. I'm a regular guy, not a puppet person. <laughs> to piloting air the podcast about unaired unloved and unhinged pilots i'm joe young and with me as always is stewart how we doing stewart hi hole <laughs> sorry that's <laughs> my really bad kermit this is a pretty bad kermit man <laughs> and joining us today are the hosts of the wonderful podcast reality <clears throat> issues it's kathy and brian how's it going guys
3: hello it's me brian i am from the reality issues podcast this is my podcast partner kathy hello
0: kathy hi hello everyone yay hi guys thanks for joining us
1: guaranteed no flubs on this podcast <laughs> 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 and this podcast that we're recording tonight is gonna be about the 1987 jim henson kind of fred newman pilot puppet man <laughs> What a delight it was too! Oh,
3: truly, really, you guys were into it. I would say this: if I was in television in 1987, right, then this show probably would have been in front of my eyes uh, a couple nights a week. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I feel
4: like it was like a real precursor to the Small Wonder Ooh. type of sitcom. She's the, small
1: wonder. the girl robot. Yeah, the
4: girl robot. <laughs>
1: Yeah. We haven't talked about Small Wonder on this show before. Yes, but... we definitely have, I think. Oh,
4: deep cuts. We... what's up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we gotta talk Small Wonder. Very bad show.
2: Well, you always say there's nothing on TV. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's pretty bad. Pretty horrible like, weirdly horny sometimes. Mm
2: -hmm. I thought you said these
1: movies don't scare you. They don't. I just love putting my arms around you. (laughs) They had Punky Brewster as a next door, but it wasn't Punky Brewster. Mm -hmm. That's all I remember about it. And the girl had a breaker box in her back.
0: (laughs) And she dressed like a couch.
4: She looked like a picnic table. It was like that red and white... Wearing
0: gingham? Yes.
4: King, um, yeah. yeah, she
0: does look like a picnic table. Knowing
3: nothing but these clues is is quite amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a history with this pilot. I watched it. I was there. I was there July 3rd, 1987.
0: For the CBS Summer Playhouse. Summer vacation just wouldn't be the same without your personal invitation to Television City in Hollywood. For the CBS Summer Playhouse. During the next hour, share with us a world television premiere chosen especially for your family's viewing enjoyment. I
1: was five years old. Wow. I watched this show as a five year old and was very confused by it. And I've included as evidence a picture of me the day after in a July 4th parade riding my
0: bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh my lord i'm gonna have to tweet that picture
1: yeah everybody you'll have to you'll have to share that picture
0: that is incredible
1: you can see my name my name is on the back of my shirt so.
0: no i when i was a kid they told us that you should absolutely never wear an item of clothing with your yeah. name on it <laughs> i remember a psa about that
4: mm-hmm because mm-hmm. everybody was gonna be like a john walsh adub, you know abductee yeah yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah
4: everyone
0: was a criminal in the 80s that wanted to steal children we were all about to get taken from
3: the mall every single one of us were about to make, be taken from that exact spot in our pockets
4: it was like our candy that had to be checked i think ours was like the first one where suddenly like oh we have to make sure there isn't like razor blades or drugs in it it's got very dark <laughs> <and
3: suddenly. laughs> let expand a little bit on the darkness here I recently talked to some people in Florida about this and pretty much everyone's father had this talk to them about the John Wall story and told them about the dark details of all that case <laughs> and everything like scared the shit out of them related to like being like letting go of your parents hand at the mall when you're too young <laughs> like everyone got that trauma
1: this pilot I remembered it it stuck with me and I remember thinking that when Eureka's Castle came out on Nickelodeon in like 1989 I thought that was the show. I thought that somehow they were connected.
3: <laughs> that absolutely makes sense to me. Cause that puppet design, the, the giant dragon thing was, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. But I wrote down some notes on what I could remember from when I was five years old, before I watched this,
3: yeah i like these
1: because i wanted to i wanted to see like uncorrupted what i remembered from seeing it one time when i was five years old so this this is what i remember from this show fred newman wears some kind of a dragon puppet costume and there is some kind of issue with his son where he has to leave the show and he doesn't have time to take it off (laughs) so he drives down the freeway with his head sticking out of the top and what's weird is at the beginning, you, you see the van going down the road with the dragon on the top of it. And I somehow I remembered that and I put those two together and I remembered him running in and like grabbing his son. And then there is a scene that looks like Mr. Rogers Land of Make Believe with actors dressed as medieval princesses with the tall pointed hats and flowing gowns. And they are trading jokes with the puppets. And I feel like the credits were rolling. So that confused me too. Like the show starts and then immediately the credits start rolling.
0: That is so crazy that you remember all of
3: that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, i was just gonna say that too like that is mind-blowing to me that i because I, I certainly watched a lot of tv when i was a kid and i could name probably only a third of the names yeah. of the things i watched but like I, do you know how many episodes of snl i watched on comedy central Holy i'm certain molly. i can't remember <laughs> nine out of ten of them i can't remember
1: but but well, the thing is i was at my grandmother's house and she didn't have cable oh, okay. so they plot me in front of this and i was like really excited that there was a, a kid show on You know, that was a weird part of it too, because I was like, I'm in my memory because I wouldn't watch TV there because the TV sucked. So I think that's another reason why I remember it so well.
3: Wow.
1: So, anyway, crazy. I have a deep memory with this show. Now it's turning into our podcast.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think Jim Henson had little to nothing to do with this interesting i think he just mused to his agent this idea and his agent went out and created the show and put henson's name on it to try and sell it that is my theory because the producers are jim henson and his manager so the manager would get paid and then he would get what 15 percent of whatever henson made as well mm-hmm. so it was just like a great deal for him
0: i'd love a deal that's
1: fascinating
4: See, my theory was that it was like, I mean, it's someone's autobiography, right? It's somebody who worked there and was like, because it has like oh, made like it has like super divorced dad energy, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like basically mm-hmm. the plot of the show, Definitely. right? And so I saw it as like being pitched to Jim Henson by like some guy who worked at like Jim Henson Studios being like, hey, I have this idea for a show. And, you know, instead of it being like just straight up like, you know, Sesame Street or whatever. Like just hey puppets that sing songs and dance around. It's like no, it's like a serious family sitcom drama or something. It's like it's
1: like what's going on behind the scenes,
4: Mm -hmm. but like with a heart, right? It's not just like news radio or WKRP. It's like this like Mm -hmm. divorced dad has to like oh should I should I spend time with my kid or run a puppet show is basically his fucking dilemma, right? Like why not both?
3: Yeah. And before we saw the apartment set, I was convinced that this was going to be strictly an office kind of set comedy or like at least the work site. I didn't I wasn't sure that it was going to be about like this main character and his son specifically. Is he like trying to get full custody? (laughs) I was actually seriously invested in the concept of the show. Yes, because it felt like a show where there should have been other episodes. Like, yeah, there were some definitely some weird bits, especially, you know, whatever. It's 1987. We get the idea. But, like, for the most part, this doesn't feel like an unsuccessful pilot. Like, it doesn't feel like they made some critical errors here. It felt like it was any other show that could have made it at the time, at least for a season or so. This
1: is another one of those cases where it's it's a kind of an interesting premise, but the execution is excruciatingly, like, annoying. And the people in it are kind of interesting, but also kind of annoying. And there's a lot of mouth sounds, a lot of annoying voices, a lot of irritating <laughs> children. But, but yeah. I like the premise.
4: There's a weird slide whistle mouth noise that that dude kept doing over and over. That was <laughs> that was unappealing.
0: <laughs> He's a mouth man.
4: <laughs> that sounds threatening. That sounds very threatening.
3: <laughs> yes. Also, I found the It's a Dragon Time.
4: It's
3: like incredibly, by the end of the episode, it had been done so many times. It's It was drilled into my brain as if it was a real show, which is so powerful.
4: I was really into the show within a show deal, though.
2: Yes. Yeah.
4: I felt like that really had legs. I felt like it could really go a lot of places. This is
1: from the Jim Henson Company Archivist. This historical information from (laughs) their, their archive.
3: Which would contain no lies and is absolutely genuine.
0: All right, let me read this real quick. Whatever magic audiences see on the screen watching Sesame Street or The Muppet Show, it pales in comparison to the action behind the scenes. The laughter, camaraderie, astounding creativity, and occasional drama makes for a dynamic work environment. And Jim realized that backstage at a television program might make a good setting for a situation comedy. His original concept, written in the summer of 1986, set a show in Providence, Rhode Island, with a young puppeteer appearing with his characters on a local live afternoon magazine show, much like the one Jim started on in Washington in 1955. The potential stories he described centered on the human interactions, flirtations between performers, directors, and comely programming executives, competition for screen time, and humorous exchanges with celebrity guests along the way viewers would get to watch some wonderful puppet segments from backstage not only seeing the ingenious way that it is being done but also seeing the interaction of the puppeteers which might just be the opposite of the puppets that they are performing
1: jim henson always wanted to do more adult stuff and he never really could because he was kind of pigeonholed
0: there's a comic book that he had done is based off of an un un, un unproduced uh, screenplay called Jim Henson's Tale of Sand that oh, that's so it it is like more more adult. It's definitely like it would probably be kind of boring to a kid, but yeah, he I, I think that he definitely wanted to work on more adult stuff. I mean, Dark Crystal, I don't know, Labyrinth was fucking scary to me when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of really dark shit in Labyrinth. Money,
0: it's a Seeing those puppets up close at the Muppet exhibit when we were in New York, it creeped me out. They're, the Dark Crystal, the Skeksis are fucking scary in real life.
1: I've actually, I've seen the Hoggle puppet up close and it was not in a museum. It was actually in a thrift store in what Alabama. Did. The Unclaimed Baggage Center. <laughs> I've actively avoided being
3: puppetry probably my whole life, probably out of some, like...
4: Do you remember how at, like, Chuck E. Cheese, they have the animatronic band? Yes. yes.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we proudly present an exciting new musical review with your merrymaking master of ceremonies, Chuck E. Cheese.
4: But yeah. so, like you could also crawl under the stage. I was always underneath the stage. I think for yes. more or less the yes. same reason. We're not
1: supposed to do that. You
4: could. Well, <laughs> at my Chuck E. Cheese, you could. Oh yeah. You could crawl underneath the stage, and it was like it was like a little fun house in there. It had like mirrors and I oh, don't know, wow. like cool lights. I don't know. I'm sorry, you had a shitty Chuck E. Cheese. I
0: probably did. Weird. We gotta <laughs> ask a uh, friend of the show, Chris Carrera. I am an elderly man about that. He. <laughs> (laughs) actually worked at a Chuck E. Cheese when he was in college. Yeah, when we get him back
4: in Oh, I had a buddy who worked at a Chuck E. Cheese. Like, he had to wear the mascot head and, like, the whole deal, but...
1: Kicked in the crotch.
4: (laughs) I guess he was working at a child's party and drank too much because he was still, like, a youthful teen, like, not a responsible adult or anything. (laughs) He said it was not as... He said it was unpleasant. How would they ever get a (laughs) responsible Right?
1: So the the majority of our of the actors in this show are voice actors and behind the scenes people. I think that's also kind of interesting, like that it's also a show about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can we talk about the uh, the main character and his whole <laughs> deal? So we have Fred Newman, mm-hmm. who I think most of our listeners will know from the painfully ma- mediocre Nicktoon Doug, Killer tofu. where he did. All all the sound effects as well as voicing skeeter pork chop and mr Danger. I did not know that
0: did you just call doug Medio? Wow. yeah that was my
3: fave that was my number one doug
0: yeah i love doug
3: oh,
2: come on.
0: <laughs> you fucking edgelord and you're ren and stimpy
3: no sir i didn't like it so self-identified as <laughs> doug i was doug all the way
0: me too man i still kind of do
3: yeah totally like <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> dog is fucking lame. Oh, uh, I'll tell you this. I didn't know that fact until I saw that video of him like <laughs> singing those songs and doing the mouth noises.
0: <laughs> okay, Fred, you ready? Cool, man. I'll
3: take
1: that as a yes. Amazing. He was a big Nickelodeon guy, and he showed up a lot in the early 90s. He used to do the Nick or Treat, where the kids would call on the phone, and they would, like, go down, like, a virtual street.
0: Invisible guy here with Nick or Treat, and I'm on the phone live with Jordan. Are you ready to play? Yeah. Okay, here. Mm.
1: Trick or Treating. That must mean that he also, did he do Stick
3: Stickly then, too? Ride
2: right to me, Stick Stickly, P.O. Box 963. New York City, New York State, 101 <laughs>
3: Ooh. No, he didn't. No, Stick, stick was somebody else. That's amazing that you know that. I love that you know that. That's incredible. This is a high-quality podcast.
1: I'm an yeah. I'm I'm a nerd,
0: Paul Christie.
3: The absolute quality of a podcast is determined by the host's ability to know their topic without <laughs> looking up <laughs> anything
0: online. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> Stu has an encyclopedic knowledge of Nickelodeon.
5: It's time. It's time for the next world of mine, Nickelodeon.
0: I love that. See that that's
1: that's critical.
3: We need to have you guys Um,
1: on as guests. Also, he voiced Harry from Harry and the Henderson. Munchies? They have a language? wow.
2: Interesting.
1: (laughs) He also did voices on Gremlins and Munchies, and he played beloved character, Stupid from who framed roger rabbit who could forget stupid
4: uh, the movie the movie yeah i
3: have no memory of that show despite it i remember it scaring me as a child
0: oh yeah
1: who framed roger rabbit yeah 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 that's a terrifying movie when they put the shoe mm-hmm. in the
4: yeah <laughs> You need to have a Chinatown Who Framed Roger Rabbit double feature.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
3: That sounds good.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: That is to say, if <laughs> this movie has anything to do with uh, Chinatown, I'm sure it's. this is in. I'm, I'm down. This is good. Who
1: Framed Roger Rabbit is basically a sequel to Chinatown. Chinatown is about the corruption in the waterworks. Or the, mm-hmm. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit is about the corruption in the, the streetcar industry oh. in, in L.A., then there was an the there was another Chinatown sequel.
0: Yes, the two Jakes.
1: Def, yeah, the two, yeah, Jakes. The two Jakes. Yeah. Jakes. Wait, are the, you? We are you serious? They this
4: yes. I didn't know this.
3: This is a part of the
4: two Jakes is the actual sequel. They
3: tried to make a sequel to
1: Chinatown, yeah. and it
0: had what, what's his name? The producer it had Robert Evans as the other Jake. Uh huh.
1: That's so weird.
0: It's in, insane. I've never seen it, but it looks. I
3: sick. didn't even heard of it. Wow.
0: Okay. It looks <laughs> wow. bad. Yeah. yeah. Very bad. But, I mean, who who doesn't <laughs> want to watch Robert Evans in a movie? He's the best. Oh,
4: The Two okay. Jigs anyway. is directed by not just starring Jack Nicholson. He also directed it.
1: Interesting. Incredible. Fred Newman, he also did all the sound effects on A Prairie Home Companion. Mr.
2: Fred Newman coming out on stage. La, 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 la. <laughs> this first portion of our show. If you've ever
1: listened to that show, it's you've heard, Fred. Yeah, interesting. So in this, he is a recently divorced puppet and suspenders enthusiast named Gary, who is juggling home and work life. And he, he has a very amicable divorce.
4: It's a very modern adult divorce, maybe for that era. For
1: 1987.
4: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was like a thing that was like starting to happen, sure. right? Like kind of with more regularity in the... In the culture in
3: 1987 yeah yeah well.
4: we're not quite at like the height of like the early 90s 90s like everyone's getting divorced or whatever but like it's starting to happen
0: we're getting there yeah kramer versus kramer mm-hmm.
3: yeah like do do we feel like they they directed the child to act like a child or were they directing the child to act like a child on the tv show you know what i mean Did they just stuck
1: cotton balls in his cheeks
0: uh-huh. yeah he he, he's there? the cutest little kid i've seen on tv <laughs> yes yeah he's he's adorable it's it's unbelievable that
3: the show didn't get made just off of all those experiences
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: there are several versions of it on youtube oh the one that has been up the longest was uploaded may 7th 2013 so nine years ago and has sixteen thousand nine hundred fifty two views <laughs> So that works out to about eighteen hundred views a year. And the average pilot that we watch gets about seven thousand a year. So this is definitely on the low side. I yeah. don't think people are watching yes. this. We're both skeptical, I think, because like I know that I'm never gonna
3: shut the fuck up about this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like just seeing this once has made me like wanna like just show this to everyone I've ever met. Like it's crazy. Well, that's the piloting
1: error effect. We try to Figure out what this was before we introduced it to the world, and it
3: blows up. Right. So metrics. I like this. We're gonna
1: like predict who wins the World Series.
2: Off. Like
1: but also for a video that's been up for nine years, it only has 143 likes and 48 comments. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay.
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna comment on it and say like this comment if I. <laughs> the podcast brought you here. As a guy who
3: gets a bug to upload old VHS tapes to YouTube every couple of years, oh hey, I love that. Me too. I have random tapes uploaded, like the Miss America 1984, whatever the year of Vanessa Williams one is uploaded, the whole thing in its entirety.
1: And our new Miss America is Vanessa Williams. Miss new York.
3: That's important. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's really awesome. It has like well over 15,000 views. But the amount of views it got exploded once it was featured in a couple like documentaries. Really? So, yeah, they like linked to the original like footage, and it was just like my YouTube video. A podcast called You. It's one of it's one of those really top big ones, like the one that like talks with all like true crime and like I don't know. Anyway. It's, if you go to the video, it's like right in the top. They're like, thanks for our viewers coming and visiting us or whatever. It's incredible. It's, it's wild. But yeah, so that effect, that effect can be measured. Exactly what you're talking uh-huh. about. This like metric, put, put the content out there. People will find it and make content about it. You know, it's a, it's a pretty fascinating thing. I mean, if you're online and you have any level of influence at all, everything you do will at some point end up affecting something else out there. Just have fun and be aware that's all i'm saying and be Be, exactly and be be aware of always trying to do the right thing
1: in that vein i'm gonna read my favorite comment this is from youtube user renee astol what will it be like if the show was already picked up and became a timeless full-fledged sitcom if so the show would have run for more than eight successful seasons. <laughs> more than eight, that. totally.
3: You know, it's a classic show that gets to more than eight, really. We got Seinfeld, Friends, <laughs> X Files, frazier I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet, frazier <laughs> You got to get to
1: a hundred episodes
3: if you want syndication. <laughs> you got to do those great 25 26 episode seasons.
1: The first thing that happens is we get the terrible theme song.
0: (laughs) It's a really bad theme song. I I love it, so it's embedded in my brain now.
1: (laughs) We see Fred Newman chilling in a van playing banjo and making mouth sounds. And we see the band with a it has a dragon head on the top that must have that's what stuck with music hit. This is also the theme song for the show within the show Dragon Time. So the lyrics aren't for the show Puppet Man, they're for the show within the show Dragon Time, which is kind of confusing. Wait, I never realized that the whole time I watched that. That's well they're crazy. they're not singing Puppet Man, they're singing
3: Dragon Time! But even in the closing credits they play that song. <laughs>
1: yeah. Weird. It's weird. On, Time. The show starts with the end of a shooting of Dragon Time. We can see the puppeteers behind the scenes working. Hello.
5: Hi, Detain. Hi. Come on out and play. I can't come out till I hear the sound of a cuckoo. The
0: sound of a cuckoo?
1: Oh, what's that? I'm not sure. Well,
0: let me try
4: pulling this rope here. Oh, okay. <gasps> oh, that's the sound of a cuckoo. <laughs> that's not the sound
1: of a cuckoo. For a Jim Henson level production, this, this looks pretty fucking lame and cheap.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah, the puppets look good, but everything else about it is kind of <laughs> crap.
1: The writing isn't funny. I was thinking maybe, and this is this is what I saw in my head
3: as I was thinking about like the multi-season arc and the whole <laughs> 20 episodes we were going to get in season one. Really, I was thinking about all this. So I think in episode one, especially in the first, let's say, six or episodes or so, it's a rundown, low bud show. They get their first big break. They get, like, a modicum of a budget. Still very minimal, but we're working with a little something there. And then by the end of season one, then finally... The show becomes a hit. They have actual staff and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I actually thought that was why they started off with such a rinky dink kind of outfit. In the beginning, they're gonna start off showing like that this is an extremely low budge operation, maybe work it up once they had like literal money in the storyline and in real life.
0: Damn. It's a good point. It's a great analysis.
4: Not that like, oh, it's gonna be a show that makes it big, but like in like three or four episodes from now, after we've gotten used to the characters or whatever, that like Oh no, maybe the puppet show is in danger of being canceled or something. There has to be like some kind of conflict, right? Like-, like it's perpetually on the edge of being canceled the whole
1: time.
3: Right. Okay. I was thinking maybe it would become like a personal more of a dispute between the father's ability to balance a successful show with
2: managing yeah. and taking care uh-huh. of his child.
3: Because the show really did posit that the time balance. Between work and child was going to be like the biggest core yeah. thing of the show, even no matter what the scenario was
5: going to be. I ah, know, I'll try again. No, 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 my turn. I am going to try again.
2: Ah. <laughs> 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 That's the sound of a
1: cuckoo. There's like a castle set and it has a giant clock mm-hmm. on it that says dragon time. And then there are dragon puppets. And then there's a woman who. Is like a princess, basically. And that's the show. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And then all of the other folks they're just like the puppeteers. Yeah. I say just the puppeteers because it's not mm-hmm. an easy job. What a lovely cuckoo it was. But what Earl should have done is wait his turn. Right, boys and Rita,
1: who is dressed like a princess type outfit with a huge pointy hat and big flowing gown. And this is Julie Payne. She's mostly a voiceover actor. Her most notable role being most of the female voices on Garfield and Friends and all the, all the other Garfield shows. So she played Liz.
4: That's Dr. Wilson to you. Put the cat here.
1: The veterinarian. She's the lady who gives John the mug.
0: Yes. Yeah. The mug of okay. dog juice.
4: <laughs>
2: <Okay>.
1: <laughs> and also the angry sheep in the in the U.S. Acres segments.
4: Why hasn't the cow been milked? Ah, uh,
1: yes. I actually, you know, I have
3: to say, between those two shows, I actually found a lot more humor as a child in the, in the, mm-hmm. the, the Garfield. I always found U.S. Acres uh, to be a real top-notch animated.
1: Except for the fucking pig that was singing about reading books every time he came around. <laughs>
0: it sucked <laughs> If I wanted to be a sailor, then a sailor is what I can be. By using imagination, I can be anything, you see? But
1: other than that, I liked it too. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk, Gertha. Okay. Bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? It's the one that blows smoke up her nose, I think. You know? Oh, that's Gertha? <laughs> I think so. <laughs>
3: we're gonna have to go to the fan wiki here and and really
1: break
0: this down there is an extensive fandom wikia Mm -hmm. on this show
1: there
3: there, there deserves to be
2: yeah
1: but it's low information it's just somebody giving a synopsis of the show mostly Uh but Somebody did take the time to do that. So good, good use of time.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you for the stub.
4: <laughs>
3: As the Wikipedia, the Wikipedia editors would be turning their nose up to knock this out of my sleep. But yeah. Okay.
4: Well, you know, maybe if we all gave Wikipedia $8 a year or a month or something, <laughs> please don't scroll past this message. <laughs>
3: Listen, man, I have podcasts to subscribe to. The The, the oh, just, world's yeah. collection of knowledge is not that important to me.
1: <laughs> so Rita is singing a song, and it's a really bad song. I'll just put it right here.
4: Just learn to wait your turn, though your feet begin to burn. And your stomach starts to churn. Wait your turn.
1: And one of the puppets blows smoke in her face, up her nose, and it makes her really mad.
2: Wait your turn. Wait, you're...
0: Tur- tur- Gertha.
4: <laughs> That's
0: Gertha. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hit the theme and roll credits.
1: The credits roll. And it just says Rita and her friends, and it lists all of the dragon's names. <laughs> Gertha. No actual actors or anything.
3: Butane, Candle, yeah. Gertha, Desiree, Cinders, and Earl. <laughs> I said <thought> they would <laughs> list it out in episode two. They would have broken that down for us i'm just visualizing once again
0: candle isn't in that shot mm, see he's only in the scene where he's where the child is talking to him
2: <laughs> oh yeah <A> candle
4: <laughs> maybe there were just like disputes <laughs> among the muppets and like they just had to film the scene separately you know incredible. <laughs> they couldn't be on the set at the same time <laughs> They've got
1: me. the show ends and this is when we we meet the producer bud stone or buddy buddy
4: did you like my son well,
1: like it? hey i'll be humming it all the way home <sighs> who's played by jack burns this is a pretty interesting guy he started out his career with george carlin and they were a comedy duo called burns and carlin they were only together for two years and they put out one album if any of that i can find any of that i'll drop in right here
4: Good evening, sport fans. Biff Burns back again in the Sportlight Spotlight. And my guest tonight, a young man who was recently called by Ring Magazine, one of America's boxers. (laughs) I'd like to
5: introduce him to you now, ladies and gentlemen, Killer Carlin. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Biff. It's a pleasure to be on
0: your crummy show. He
1: also wrote 28 episodes of The Muppet Show and The Muppet Movie and the Paul Lynn TV special.
4: Hi, I'm Paul (laughs) Lynn. Well, somebody
1: had to be. <laughs> and an episode of The Gary Chandling Show. Whoa. Wow.
0: Whoa. That's incredible. Gary.
1: Just go on his MDB page and look at the number of credits he has as himself, where he just showed up as a guest. Pretty cool guy. But also, he and uh, Rita are fucking. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like that. What <gasps> time
5: shall expect you tonight?
1: It's, near, it's near, yeah. i a.m. you later. It's dropped, but and we don't we don't go anywhere else. But that is uh, definitely a thread that would have showed up in
3: another episode. It seems, okay. at least, imply that it's a pre-existing relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless she's just going over there to play Boggle or something. <laughs>
4: Oh, is that what we call it these days?
0: (laughs) We're going to play Bago without my wife knowing about it.
4: Del,
5: i got to talk to you.
0: What do you want to talk to him about? About Rita. Oh, he doesn't want to talk about her. I do. I do. Del, I'm not
5: feeling around. I've got to talk to you
1: about Rita. Oh, I don't want to talk about her. See, I told you so. (laughs) So we also meet Dell, who is played by Richard Hunt, a prolific Muppeteer, who has a very
0: recognizable voice.
3: And a name that you would call a bar with.
0: For a joke, <laughs> 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 did not even think about that. But you're right. yeah uh-huh.
1: Dell is continuously operating his dragon puppet when people try to talk to him. This would have been the most odd and notable thing about this show. They would have been doing this all the time. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: This little beast blew smoke up my nose and ruined my phone. <laughs> Gary
1: Dell, Rita, Gary. Del? The main conflict here is the puppeteers versus Rita the star. In particular, Dell and Rita hate each other.
3: God, I'm thinking about this way too much, but did you ever uh-huh. get a full picture of what the relationships were like before this episode started? Because it, oh, no. it felt like it was supposed to be that episode one thing to me of like, we're going to leave some threads and then maybe we're going to define it later because we're not even sure because it's the pilot.
1: My head canon for this show is that Dell and Gary are like oddball puppeteers, and they've gotten a job at this TV station, and they move there from Chicago to Madison to do this show, Mm -hmm. and it's like their big chance to do a puppet show on TV.
3: Yes. That lines
2: up.
1: The phone rings.
2: Gary,
1: it's for you.
2: Who is it? The (laughs) ex-wife.
1: Apparently, Gary's son, Zach, is unexpectedly showing up to stay with him. What am I
2: going to do with him once he gets
1: here?
4: (laughs) What are you talking about? You visit him all the time in Chicago. Yeah, but that's different. Why?
1: Well, I've actually never taken care of him alone before he's never been alone with his son which is really weird
3: yeah i didn't know it. that was that was one weird line where i was like what does that mean
1: mm-hmm.
3: that implies a lot we're we're, do- we're talking pilot language here i'm sure
2: mm-hmm.
3: if we're really like creating the the murkiness to like create a bunch of plot threads from what does that mean that he has never even been like alone with his son what are they saying in in tv writing language there
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know how like you can read a headline and kind of imply the entire story from the headline like it, Writers of TV pilots, especially, if not also really, they write like that, too. So what are are they saying?
1: It's like when, you know, Sinbad has to take care of the kids and he uses speaker twist ties to do his daughter's hair because he doesn't know how to take care of children. Mm. But he's charismatic. He's the puppet man, you know,
4: it's the women's lip thing. Right. I mean, it's why the divorce is happening. It's why there's so much divorce. Right. So, I mean, I think it's like probably an exaggeration. But, like, maybe not for the show in the sense of, like, they have to, create again, create some, like, conflict of, like, oh. Like, it's real three men and a baby of, like, oh, no, I don't know how to put on a diaper. Mm-hmm. What am I going to feed a child? It's, like, really? You can't fucking make a grilled cheese sandwich? <laughs> like, you're a grown <laughs> man or whatever, you know? Like, they're really not that much harder than having a dog, let's be honest, <laughs> right? Like,
2: don't worry bring him to the studio i'm sure we could find something for a five-year-old
4: to
0: do yeah we found something for rita
2: <laughs>
1: he's gonna bring a five-year-old to a tv studio to sit around for hours while they work on this show this just sounds like a terrible
4: plan i don't know i, mean, I can not afford childcare. child there, you know
1: do you think that
3: studio set was gonna be like the central perk or like the like or do you think that's what it was gonna be
1: yeah okay i mean i'm surprised they even have a hospital set in this like i was extremely
3: surprised
1: it would have probably just been the studio set so you've got Mm. the stage the backstage area and then his apartment and his apartment we'll get to his apartment his apartment was really cool (laughs) yes zach the kid is played by michael patrick carter who we now meet and holy shit what a mush mouth annoying little kid his imdb is incorrect <laughs> it says that zach is played by michael carter who played bib fortuna in the return of the jedi Wait,
2: hey, what? <laughs> i was like i got all excited
1: like wow we're gonna have a star wars guy on their show no. <laughs> Java, no bother. So I don't know how to edit IMDb, but somebody needs to fix that. If you have a pro account, <laughs> call Jeff Bezos. Confirm no Fortuna.
4: Oh. Hey, you, know, you my dad bought me? Oh, a cow bang uh. and a two-pound Gouda no.
2: and a knockwurst sampler.
0: Oh. Oh, thanks. The only place to open was an airport gift shop. Sure,
1: Gary. Why was he
3: just buying him things? Yeah. Why was he buying him stuff? Was that because they had been to those were souvenirs from a place they went or like what was
1: he picked him up from the airport? That's right. Okay, And then for some reason they went to the airport gift shop and he bought him a bunch of crap. But they don't say why they're just like yeah it was the only thing open. <laughs> yes well
4: maybe it's like the duty-free shop right like i mean was he gonna get like a pack like a fucking carton of cigarettes
3: maybe like... that was to show his <laughs> neptitude as a parent was that he didn't stop at the grocery well, store why
1: was
4: he buying him why isn't he buying him food
1: why isn't he buying him something like uh, so, i don't understand why he just needed to buy him a bunch of crap
2: i don't like feeding a dog yeah totally
1: <laughs> Here, you're just going to eat cheese the whole time.
3: All you need to understand the psychology of almost any show is to just figure out what's going on in the personal life of the writer who's writing the show, and it is all reflected in their drafts completely. So if you really want to figure out what was going on in this show, look at the lead writer's name and Read some profiles on that guy, see what he was up to. and we will know all the answers.
5: I want my dad to take me to a real farm,
2: you want to come.
1: Zach also announces that they are going to a real live farm tomorrow. <laughs> but just then a man in a business suit walks in. Oh good, good uh, gang's all here. Mitchell, this is my son Zach. Yeah, yeah, hi, kid. Nice cheese. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mitchell played by Ron Fasler. So he's the station manager. Our favorite kind of working actor he has 83 credits and he wrote one episode of murphy brown
0: very impressive
4: as a matter of fact you're extremely stupid what do
0: you think the residuals are on writing one episode of murphy brown uh
3: probably a few bucks a year
0: a couple bucks
1: well as we've talked about on the show before murphy brown did not go into syndication right like we thought it would Ooh, rough So, what do you get the dvd rights
0: <laughs> that's a Popular DVD. It,
1: DVD
3: must have expired by now, but let's say it's two thousand six, seven, and the you know the, the revival of your TV shows are in full swing. Mm-hmm. You've got like everything from Magnum PI <music> to the X Files selling you know bajillion copies through Amazon on DVD. Mm-hmm. I think that Murphy Brown box sets this is probably how people were buying it's my guess
2: gotta be
3: i bet you that was the most residuals those people ever made post know, whatever was originally aired the, on you know. the
1: dvd rights.
3: yeah i bet you on the dvd rights they were probably making my guess <laughs> six to seven hundred dollars a year off those rights i don't know you can't be making that much <laughs> you can't be making that much even at the height of everything you can't be making that much yeah <laughs> I mean, think about this when when shout factory does a special edition release for one of those like rare shows or something. They're lucky if they sell 10,000 copies. So if you're talking about Murphy Brown at the height of DVD sales, and it's a show that didn't get syndication. So you're not talking about like that wide kind of like occult furor that comes around shows that gets stuff like, you know, family got come back on the air after DVD sales. Yeah, I think Murphy Brown if it came to dvd probably wasn't selling it was one of those shows that probably fell through the cracks that maybe today on peacock and wherever it lives now
4: okay so the screen access guild says that you get four and a half percent on the first million dollars of dvd gross receipts right. let's do the math and then 5.4 thereafter
1: all right hold on let's fire up the the, the piloting error computer
4: <laughs> we're doing
1: the math
3: here. Yeah, and how much? was the MSRP of a of a box set or a Murphy Brown?
1: How many units did Murphy Brown?
0: Thirty-four ninety-nine.
3: The MPD data might be might list that. They're like a company that lists like retail like media sales. Interesting numbers. The, you only have to pay for the stuff that's like brand, and they publish all of stuff. Wait, what's this website? MPD and NPD
1: Metropolitan Nashville Police
2: Department
3: (laughs) (laughs) and NPD data but they they also list like video game sales and stuff like that but they
0: also track
4: I'm looking at Uh... news and I'm seeing DVD sales of the Mary Tyler Moore show jump after her death (laughs) (laughs) oh
0: my lord
4: I'm sorry to laugh I'm not laughing at her death nobody appreciated
1: Mary when she was actually around
5: Don't go away. We'll be right back. Pumpkin
3: Spice Podcast is back to talk about some of the spookiest movies out there. But this time, they aren't covering franchises. They're taking bus tickets to new cities to explore the horror happening all over the globe. So tune in to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a bridge burner podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out now. It's Pumpkin Spice Podcast.
1: Buddy comes in. Remarks that Mitchell's suit looks Italian. boy is this a great looking suit this feels beautiful. this is beautiful. What is the Italian American Even better <laughs> great looking boy American Like is the boy American And then he <laughs> then he puts a $10 bill in the cow bag. Oh look what we got here
0: Elsie well, the cow huh Maybe Elsie's a little bit uh, hungry
1: Then when he finds out that Zach is gary's child great looking kid mitch looks just like you i wonder why he's gary's kid
2: <laughs> right.
1: not mitchell's the station manager he tries to take the ten dollar bill back out of the cow bank. <laughs> the rest of the scene he's trying to get his ten dollar bill back
3: what other kind of, <laughs> of laugh can you have between that guy and the kid and it worked
1: it's ratings week and we're getting killed by eye on madison wow what do they have on women in bikinis they're holding a milkmaid pageant i'm not an expert on analytics but a singing low-budget kids puppet show probably doesn't have the same audience as a bikini milkmaid contest
0: probably doesn't have the same airtime so,
1: apparently they do yeah this <laughs> is got afternoon programming in wisconsin
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> they're horny and children apparently
2: yeah
0: <clears throat> so
3: uh,
1: gary you better do something and fast because frankly We were getting better ratings in this time slot with Mr. Hippity Hop. (laughs) The show that had the time slot before Dragon Time was called Mr. Hippity Hop. Mr. Hippity Hop was canceled.
4: I'm really concerned about the mishmash of this, like, TV station programming. It doesn't seem appropriate. Or maybe I'm missing something about Dragon Time, you know?
3: Maybe it was some kind of meta-commentary on something from the 80s. (laughs)
1: We run into that a lot on this show.
3: Yeah. Like meta commentary we can't read anymore. Yeah, yeah,
1: referential humor and we end up having to just stick a pen in it and we'll come back to it later in our in our loose ends episode. So Gary takes Zach to his apartment. How would you like Little Bud to take you to the farm, huh?
2: Where will you be at?
1: Well, I've got to be at the studio. I didn't get to finish everything.
2: But I want you to take me.
1: Look, try to understand, Zach.
2: But you promised.
1: I I know, but it's a really important week for me at the show.
2: You promised. You promised. I want to go home.
1: And of course, Zach is a super sad little boy who is very hard to understand. Holly shows up from the studio. With Zach's suitcase, which they forgot. Hi. Forget
2: something?
1: Zach's pajamas. And she—this <laughs> is my favorite line in this whole show. She offers to help Zach into his pajamas, prompting this line.
5: Well, you can stay for the touch, but you have to leave for the
2: bottom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that was great. It was like peak in 1987 writing there.
1: So then, Z- then Zach's mom calls. What's the matter? Well, that was Beth. They were so impressed with her audition, they offered her the lead in the road company. She leaves next week for a six-month tour.
2: Wow. Well, well what about Zach?
1: She thinks it best he stay here.
2: With me.
3: Is it NPD.com? It's not NPD.com, but it's, it's, it's a three-letter acronym for, like, a service, and I believe... It's an alliance of retail partnerships, basically, that, like, basically share their retail numbers. They, like, sell the numbers as, like, a service to, like, trade press and stuff so they can track. Basically, it's the the data that, like, a Forbes or a, you know, a a Wall Street Journal would go to to then make their graphs to, like, see, like, how, I don't know, how many PS5s get sold every month. But they also have historical
2: data. What, what?
5: Are you, this, is, this is the Puppet Master. I'm, I'm coming to you from a bunker, deep beneath the Bass Pro Shops pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Hello,
3: hello, Puppet Master.
5: And I've got a quiz.
3: Nice. That's
1: very close to the river for there to be a bunker.
5: We're, we're even under the river. Lower than the river. Keep going. I've got a quiz for you.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Puppet Man.
3: Puppet Master. I was about to start singing a Talking Heads song.
1: Yeah, go for it.
3: No,
5: we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm probably not going to keep score, though, because I never actually do. This is incredible.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Puppet Master.
5: Question one. May 1st, 1776. This secret society is formed. Whose statutes read... The order of the day is to put an end to the machinations of the purveyors of injustice, to control them without dominating them. It has left a mark on the minds of conspiracy theorists everywhere to this day.
3: There's an opportunity for a false positive here, so that's why I'm thinking for a second. Bohemian Grove?
5: Ooh, close.
4: Hmm.
5: But no cigar.
4: No. Skull and Bone Society at Yale. No.
5: 1776. <laughs> The
3: Sons of the Patriots program as Immortalized in Metal Gear Solid 2.
5: I almost had a question about the Sons (laughs) of the Patriots. (laughs) But I thought it was too esoteric (laughs) for this. Wow. The Illuminati. Ooh. It's the Illuminati. The Bavarian Illuminati. Who were abolished by the Bavarian government with the encouragement of the Catholic Church. Or were they? (laughs) Question number two. In 1975, this clandestine mind control experiment was brought to the public record despite CIA Director Richard Helm's order two years earlier to destroy all files acknowledging its existence.
4: Project Blooper. Wrong. MKUltra.
5: That is correct. Ah. Yes.
4: Oh, All that fucking (laughs) X-Files pays off.
5: (laughs) (laughs) They're just down the hall from me, actually.
3: We, we apologize for our insolence, Puppet Master.
2: Yeah,
1: we're learning so much about you. <laughs> You're very generous, Puppet Master.
5: <laughs> you, you only win friends with, with honey. Jovial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> question number three. Oh. God. Commanding. November 22nd, 1963, Dallas, Texas. John Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr., a.k.a. Fitzy, to his friends, is shot. It is motivated. The Trigger man remains a mystery to this day. Was it Lee Harvey Oswald from the sixth floor of the book depository with the Mannlicher Carcano rifle acting alone, or could it have been this future CIA director? Who's never had an explanation where he was that
1: day? I'm gonna say it was the, the it was probably one of the hobos they picked up on the train.
2: There goes the neighborhood.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it. It was definitely not Herbert Walker Bush.
4: <laughs> no, it was it was definitely Herbert Walker Birsch <laughs> Birsch. <laughs> <Birch. laughs> That's right,
5: George Herbert Walker Birsch. <laughs> I'm giving you both points for that one. Question the fourth. Between 1956 and 1971, the FBI ran a domestic surveillance program on leftist political groups, including the Black Panthers, the Nation of Islam, and broadly the Black Power Movement, resulting in several high profile political assassinations. What was the name of that program?
4: I know this one too. Mm. Oh wow. It's COINTELPRO.
5: That is correct. Oh
4: i even know what it stands for it's the counterintelligence program
5: Uh, that's
2: right
3: that's more simple than i expected Uh
5: did it ever actually end or have we become so good at covering our tracks that nobody suspects a thing question five december (laughs) 1972 riverside county california the Guardian's office at the Church of Scientology's headquarters decided that something has to be done about journalist Paulette Cooper, who one year earlier published a book, The Scandal of Scientology, heavily criticizing the church. In 1976, a series of events transpired that would blow the lid off the church's clandestine attempt to have Paulette imprisoned or committed. What was that operation called? God,
3: I've got this book sitting on my counter, and I don't let me think.
4: Yeah, I don't think I know this one.
3: Whoa! Damn! Can't can't land it.
4: How about a hint?
5: No guesses. <laughs> Operation Freakout. That's it. Yeah. They stole her stationery and sent bomb threats to themselves, and ended up getting investigated. They cleared her through some wild measures and yeah everything became like came to light eventually absolutely batshit crazy
3: yeah i can highly recommend her her book available on ebay it's completely out of print it will run you a lot of money but if you can find it and make it freely available maybe i should do i have a copy of it really is that
5: that book or the other one
3: i have a copy of paulette cooper it's orange and black
4: I'm really interested in doing a trip to the New Mexico desert, where the Scientology plaques are, and things are buried. Mm. I wonder if we're allowed near there. You gotta get close enough for it. Oh, no, I, I definitely want to
5: check that
3: out. Puppet, Puppet Master, you gotta, you gotta pipe us in. Some X-Files music here, I think, while we're talking about this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Puppet, Puppet Master controls this. Thank you, Puppet.
4: Either that or some songs by Beth. <sighs>
5: Jesus, excuse me. Question six. June 1988, Omaha, Nebraska. Lawrence King was at one time heralded as the fastest rising black star in the Republican Party in all of the 80s. But when this bank, which he managed, was raided by federal agencies in November 1988, it sent shockwaves all the way to Washington, D.C. $40 million was missing, and there were numerous allegations of missing children, CIA arms trafficking, and satanic rituals. What is the name of that bank?
4: Whoa. Fuck, I think I remember that. Bank
1: of America. Wrong. Any other guesses?
4: I'm not gonna remember the name. The
1: satanic and loan scandal.
5: <laughs> yes. It was Satan's savings and loan. No, it was the Franklin Credit Union.
2: <laughs>
5: v- very insane shit. Don't, don't worry about it. It'll make you crazy. <laughs> question number seven. This is the last question, by the way. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. This infamous footballer turned anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist claims to be a, quote, son of the Godhead and that the world is controlled by a predator race of reptilians. That feeds off humanity and demands human sacrifice. Alright. Da- David
1: Ike, or Ike. Yeah. That's <laughs> <great>. <laughs>
5: One of the most insane people that's ever lived that I've had to be aware of.
1: If you listen to it long enough, it's just the Jews. <laughs> it's always the Jews. Exactly. It's fucking ridiculous. They lure you in with the with the lizard, huh. but it's really just Jews. I've never been exposed, but Puppet Master,
3: I respect your thoughts and opinions on the matter.
4: Greatest book, though. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing.
5: Thank you. All right, guys, I've got to go. We're uh, having a barbecue over at Bill Clinton's house.
3: Puppet Master, you are invited onto our podcast anytime. I just want to let you know before anyone else returns. Puppet Master, you are invited.
5: Oh, thank you. Anytime. Thank you. I I love guesting on podcasts. You're you're welcome.
1: Yeah, as you know, we have an open door policy here.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm off. Back to my <laughs> underground office to do some paperwork. Peace. I love you all. Bye bye. I love you, Puppet Master. Bye bye. Bye bye.
3: Puppet
0: Master. Hey, guys, I'm back. Did anything happen while I was gone?
1: No. Well, we're not allowed to tell you about it. I'm sworn sp- to secrecy by the United
0: States government. <laughs> Private matter. Oh, I always get left out of the fun stuff.
4: Wow, well, even Puppet Masters aren't in- immune from paperwork. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
3: it's it's been wild, man. We've been talking about how 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 everything is just. It's a wonderful show, really, all around. Gertha, remember her? That was great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Gertha, oh my lord!
4: I've written some Gertha fan fiction.
0: (laughs) Gertha fan fiction. Do you prefer your podcast to have solo
1: narrators to two people telling private jokes?
4: Are you looking for a podcast that is about true crimes and unsolved mysteries and not, I repeat, not? Two friends hanging out and rambling about nonsense?
3: Do you like podcasts that stay on topic 100% of the time?
4: If you answered yes to these questions and reenacted an Unsolved Mysteries podcast, it's not for you or the folks that left us those one-star reviews. We are just two pals who love the 1990s show Unsolved Mysteries and have no interest in actually solving mysteries from the episodes we watch and recap.
1: Come get spooked with me, Robert. And my friend and relatively normal woman, Christo, every two weeks as we talk stack, ghosts, UFOs, food, and occasionally crime on reenacted and unsolved
3: mysteries podcast.
1: Let's let's promote your show. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, we let's have let's a show. Let's
1: learn a little bit about
0: y'all. Let's talk about reality. Yeah.
1: You know, sometimes we like to drop clips into this podcast. Thank you. But you dropped in the entirety of the song Walking in Memphis mm-hmm. right there at the beginning. Bold move. Bold move. <laughs> I, I feel like it's almost like our aesthetics are completely the opposite in
2: some ways. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah, like for me, I would say this. The, the the main thing when I'm editing the podcast is that I try to get Kathy's permission about what music we're going to use at the beginning and end at the very end of the episode and then I put it in. But I mean, okay. it's it's basically like like I said uh-huh. before the podcast. I just kind of take our conversation I put the music at the beginning and the end, and then that's, that's it. It's like, oh yeah, dude, except like three times as long.
1: The average episode is three hours long.
4: We're like, if if, if we're like the audio version of Cinema Verite.
0: That is the best description that I could, that I've ever heard of y'all's show.
4: I feel like we just do we just go for it. I, I don't even think we do much editing. Love it. I, I mean I say editing.
0: No, the no editing. I, I literally
3: I don't edit the, the show at all. And it's that's, that's kind of on purpose, obviously. That's what I try to make it and i i mean it's not even how we started originally but i think that's where we've arrived and i really (laughs) like what it is i think kathy probably does too
4: i I mean i i I feel like it's also like my way of working through like just daily existence (laughs) or something that also feels very like confessional about it yes where it's like oh this is like way cheaper than actually like and less stressful than finding a therapist right like
3: yeah true. <laughs> it's very it's very true we've mentioned that a few times on the podcast it's, it's, but it is very true
4: no like yeah like i recently had my insurance provider change and i was like like psyching myself up to begin the long slog of like auditioning a new therapist and then they like changed my insurance carrier and i feel like so deflated and like having to do it again and instead, I'm like, cool, I'm just going to sit here and watch Lifetime True Crime for like four hours. Uh-huh. That, then I feel better. And then we get to talk about it. And I'm like, yeah, no, this feels like oddly cathartic. And I am eager to have a therapist again to talk to them about why that why it might feel that way. But yeah, until then, it seems to be working.
0: I'm glad you all enjoy making the show as much as we enjoy listening to the show.
1: Just a true issue head. Wow,
3: I, I, wow, I really, I really appreciate that. Um, I've been
0: listening to y'all since, since day one. I think that's 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 incredible. Thank
3: you. That there's, it's you, and there's like an Australian out there who's been listening since day one too. I have no idea who. That's right. So, (laughs) (coughs) there's been some Australian dialing every episode. So
1: what up, Australia? We got, we got a, (laughs) we picked up a lot of Australian listeners after our episode of Mermaids. Which was an entirely okay. Australian Did we? No, I have no idea. <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> Stuart's responsible for all the back end stuff. I just sit here and go, Wait, is that true? <laughs>
3: yeah, our our I guess Yeah. I I mean I'm I'm really interested to go back and look at the metrics now that we've had this. <laughs> Discussion to see if anything's changed.
4: Just will it into existence. I'm gonna say that we picked up a bunch of people from I don't know Denmark because of this. That's cool. <laughs> uh,
1: we've got at least one listener in Trinidad and Tobago, one or the other.
3: It could be. It, it, it very much could be. It very much could be.
4: Hey, so I don't know how technology works, but those aren't VPNs, are they? Those aren't like. <laughs> It might that, that, be. That's not actually, like one of our friends, and like
2: very, very. Something.
1: That would actually would would make sense why you're seeing like weird countries. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the
3: the bottled version of what I was thinking of when we were doing the podcast was like it would be you know a conversation i mean originally it was going to be about reality television and it is still i mean i say when we talk about true crime in probably every single episode like the things we've been watching but i would say that you know it's it's about like a conversation that anyone can listen to and tune into and i think that that has been the basis of virtually every podcast since the very beginning with you know the 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 I mean, I'm a big podcast head. Uh, going back to the beginning when it really was like something you had to download and stick in like an MP3 player.
1: I still do that.
3: Yeah, like totally. Like I, I listened on my Creative Labs, you know, whatever that had like a physical hard drive in it. You know, I was downloading Twit and listening to that. Oh
0: God, Leo Laporte. Wait, are you talking about the the ZDTV host?
3: Oh. Yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, one of the guys. It's like probably pissed that I took Dvorak on Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah. He has he, he's really into putting the real Dvorak as his yeah. username, which I think is great.
4: Yeah, but does he have a check mark?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question.
2: Damn.
3: Yeah, the Adam Curry the guy was on the first podcast with Adam Curry like no agenda or whatever it's called like the original it's like the original podcast I was big into all the tech TV stuff at the time so when it was natural that when I was like oh the idea of like an audio program and I mean so I've literally been listening to podcasts since the very beginning eventually I would find oh yeah dude and that would kind of be my gateway to just having like a podcast that I listen to or having a couple podcasts I listen to and that was a big thing for me and so when I was thinking about doing a podcast initially i ended up just doing one by myself for a while but then when i kind of got the idea of well just through a twitter conversation with kathy and i was like hey do you want to do a podcast about reality tv because i wanted to do a podcast about different things but and eventually i guess we have that through reality television because reality television encapsulates basically all the media that we see you know i'm sure kathy we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show but like everything virtually is reality television i mean we talked about sports earlier, but I think it really extends to virtually everything that we televise, even now, with the way that we have so many dramatizations of true crime events mm-hmm. and or documentaries of true crime. That itself is just reality TV after the fact. It's 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 not
4: like like the way that like podcast, like the serial podcast has, you know, obviously saw like tremendous results in getting Adnan Syed's conviction overturned, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Right. Like. They were instrumental to that, so that that uh, that documentarian aspect of y- you can't photograph or observe your subject without inserting yourself into the story somehow, we're able to see that in this kind of really strange way now, like, because it happens a lot, I say a lot faster, right? It still took, what, like 20 years to get this dude out of jail, you know, so...
1: It's cool that like anybody can have any kind of show that they want to have. You can put it on iTunes or whatever and it shows up right with everybody, like everybody else. Like you can yes. search for our show and find it. Just like you can find any other podcast yes. made by like a billion dollar corporation.
3: It's very powerful and very valuable.
1: Democratizing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and that's something that we say a lot in the podcast is is something that we encourage at the end of our last episode. We encouraged Everyone is like the you know you don't need to pay us or anything. our Our way that you could repay us the most is to go and create a podcast like ours that it is a discussion between you and your friends. and we believe i think I think we've come to that agreement that the idea is that the more podcasts that were just like ours, democratizing voices in general wouldn't be it would be a much easier task if people would just you know make their own show i don't know it's not like it's not like there's a big big bunch of obstacles to overcome ultimately we're doing this over you know a discord call the tool the tools are there if you
1: if you out. it's so easy yeah go out there and make a podcast
4: and i think and i think that's like yeah this like different connecting with your friends is also gonna be i'll say more important now that like I don't think Twitter is actually dying before our eyes in that exact way, but it's getting gutted. Right. So like, it's not going to be whatever it used to be. And I mean, and that's been happening for some time, right? Like we've been witnessing it's heat death. So, you know, like how, how do we continue to be connected in a way that doesn't just, that isn't just going to reproduce the same stupid bullshit we've seen. I think that's also why people are kind of mad that he's kind of destroying it in this way. Right. Like, 12 years 15 years later after it launched or whatever right like we finally kind of reached some kind of homeostasis with the timeline and then now it's all fucked up again
3: yeah for a little bit there i felt like the site was in a good good direction not only not i mean not from any functionality standpoint but like i felt like I know it felt like it had reached some kind of reliable homeostasis of like, oh, there could be like a new main character every day in and out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to change too much. It felt like the modifications of the software even had like completely simmered to a halt. They weren't adding new features. Any of the new features they tossed in recently, they had ripped back out again. So like it felt like we were at a point where there was yeah. some like balance reached. And now it's like everything sideways I'll, for I'll give you a for example. And and this is I guess this all relates in because, you know, this podcast our podcast is all you know basically put out there through twitter etc i recently switched up and i had the like three ninety nine dollars subscription to twitter blue or whatever so you could do like undo tweets or whatever and when the i i did this for a reason because i wanted to like see like what it was that like twitter this awful website that we all love was actually going to like try to provide as in return for this value but what that did was it gave me a little gateway into going to manage my subscription settings like while this was all going down and i was able to like force on the like eight dollar a month thing which has now stuck me with the little subscription icon and i have like they're verified and now i can't change my name
4: yeah
0: <laughs> monkey fracas
4: junior. junior that was my dad's name
3: it's just a joke from the first episode of future <laughs> it's the arcade game fry is playing when he's like at the pizza shop <laughs> i
0: didn't realize that
3: um but now it's stuck it's stuck for it's stuck as that maybe forever, as if that's my real name or you know whatever. So I, I like that; it's great. This cool bug, beautiful in a way. <laughs> and every time I try to change it, it just it literally just throws up an HTTP error and like makes me click OK. And it's the same HTTP error on my phone, so it's like doesn't even make any sense <laughs> how that could come up on a like in an app. It's like broken app actually. So cool, Lord, great.
0: Well, because they they disabled twenty percent. If people
1: want to find you guys where should they go what should they go to
3: oh you need to go on to itunes or you need to go on to any any platform Mm -hmm. that has your podcasts and you can search for reality issues and kathy and brian is who it's by but this is a great insight into the kind of discussion that we have on reality issues one time we had an author on a talk about reality tv in a very i don't know how to what word to use educational kind of way i would suppose
4: And more sincere. It was like a real like sincere posting kind of a thing. So I mean more than that, like the author Lindeman, she's she's the author who kind of kicked off the conversation online that essentially brought Brian and I together to make the podcast. It was us talking about that book. And so like he tweeted something about it on the timeline and I jumped in and I was like, I love watching TV because I'm a dipshit, right? Like that was basically <laughs> how the conversation started. Yes. Like, oh, I love reality TV. I love to talk about it because I'm stupid. Let's talk about it. That was literally how that how that all began. So and that's
1: how y'all you started your podcast. That's how you met. That's it pretty much. Yeah. Wow incredible that's
4: fascinating we didn't, i mean i think we're mutual followers for i don't know how long right but like kind of like what it is on twitter right is like you know people just kind of they they pop up they show up you jump into a conversation you go oh i want to talk about this right now right and this other thing i want to ignore so i'll ignore <laughs> that then
1: you know? y'all you live in separate states yeah uh-huh. yeah like nowhere near each other
3: no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we live in a very. Uh, it's it's funny. It's really all based on just a shared kind of social language, I guess, which is probably established on Twitter. You know.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess that's also the basis of the show as well. Is that all the shared familiarity and like that's how it works. Yeah. Sort
4: of a McDonald's anyway. It's
3: it's really fascinating. It's fascinating to me thinking about. It. I hadn't really. Thought I hadn't really thought about this before, so it's, it's funny to think about.
1: It's always fun to go meta.
3: I've also never talked to the sh- I talked about the show to anyone oh. before. Really, I guess, and like, not in a way where someone has actually listened to the show and would actually be able to like, think about what I'm about to say, so it's, it's fascinating. Yeah,
4: yeah, of
2: course.
3: Huh. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show.
4: Thank you for listening to us talk about the show. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> and hopefully our listeners will bring you some more listeners.
0: I was listening to it before this.
3: Yeah, hopefully you like that last episode that I just uploaded that was about three and three quarters hours long, so
4: <laughs> strap in. Well, I'm hoping that we get a Trinidad and Tobago hit and y'all get an Australia hit.
3: Yeah, I'm looking for two Australia downloads a week. Yeah. If we hit that, I'll consider ourselves better.
4: Yeah.
1: I don't understand why people want to make podcasts shorter, because whenever I'm in a situation where I'm listening to a podcast, I need a podcast to listen to, like I'm driving somewhere, you know. I don't want it to end like I need a three hour something you hours yeah
3: end. you'd rather clock out before the podcast itself is actually over right yeah I agree sure. totally
1: absolutely mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah I, I do appreciate that that you go long. thank you
3: yes yeah, I feel like uh, we just kind of go as naturally as long as we have time for usually it's wonderful
0: that's yeah. how it works out
1: it's uh, Zach comes in for breakfast but he is He's being super difficult because here he has to work. Morning. Fresh squeezed orange juice, just the way you like
5: it. I like
1: grapefruit juice.
5: Grapefruit juice? Since when? I don't
1: know. I Juice anyway. Look what I have. Your favorite thing. Something you can't resist. Huh? What do you like most in the whole world?
2: Waffles. Waffles? Since when? I don't know.
0: He's being a classic little brat.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's being a little shit because he didn't get his way. And... Gary uses the salt and pepper shakers and a oven mitt to
4: make a little puppet. Hey, come on, Zach. Eat one for the good Adorable. He's also dressed like a Whataburger employee at this moment. <laughs> <Right>? he's, <laughs> his
2: ass. he's a real
1: he's a big fan of suspenders and uh, what do you call the the loops on the shoulders? What do you
0: call the that loops is? on the shoulder? The epaulettes? yes. About?
1: He loves
4: epaulettes and suspenders.
0: I do I'm wearing suspenders right now. I'm not even joking.
4: Are you also yes, wearing am. a belt? No. Then
0: I can't no, trust you. Not, I, I don't need to be that secure. You gotta pick a Are you wearing? Do you have epaulettes on your shirt? I don't. I don't. Okay. Okay. But it does have buttons.
1: Oh, we need to talk about Gary's apartment.
0: My favorite (laughs) sequel to an MTV movie from the 90s Gary's (laughs) apartment.
1: We need to talk about Gary's apartment because his apartment is really cool. Yes. He he has one of those scales that gives you fortunes just sitting there by his door. Oh yeah, you know the ones that have like the horoscope. Yes.
3: Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice that. I remember there was exposed yes. brick, maybe. Yeah.
1: And I think it's in the attic too. It's like a attic apartment. Oh, okay, was that what it was supposed to be? They give us an establishing shot where the only light in the building on is in the attic.
2: Hey, that.
0: Dude, you ready to rock and roll? Okay. Yeah.
1: little bud, who's gonna come and take him to the farm? I guess.
3: Yeah, and that's the oh. show manager's son. Yeah, yeah. This maybe fail son. I don't know. I didn't understand why they'd have that relationship. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't understand why he's not needed on the set. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like a he's like a stage manager.
3: because he had a job on the set too.
1: Right. There was a part earlier where he, Bud was like, I, "I love, like, I love my own son, Dad. You got a minute for me? It. What you son? I mean it." <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was pretty good.
1: But my my favorite part is Gary asks Zach if he can have a
0: hug. yeah goodbye hug. Don't
2: I get a uh, goodbye hug?
1: And then little Bud hugs Gary.
0: It's very funny. It tickled me.
1: <laughs> Back to the studio for a bizarre scene they are rehearsing. There's a a full-size dragon and he's bringing out the mail. And another dragon is flirting with him.
4: What do we have here? A mail with my mail. <laughs> That's a large package you have for me.
1: Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what? <laughs> like, you no, know.
0: man, it fits. Would you look at the size of that package?
1: <laughs> but then Rita comes out dressed in lingerie, and she has like hose and heels and a feather boa, and the puppet behind. Her is like looking her up and down, like what the hell, darling? This is a children's show, not a bachelor party. You tramp! Because it's a kids' show, like what the fuck is going on?
4: Huh. This is a thanks I get for trying to boost our ratings with a little bit of glamour. She's
1: trying to compete with the bikini
4: milkmaids. This is, maybe they're just making their own Rule Thirty Four. You know,
0: that's right. Yeah, kids—a children's show, not a bachelor party.
4: Well, like I said, I mean, I feel like inspired to write Girtha fan fiction after this.
3: So <laughs> the of
4: I feel like that's the show and impell- like compelling me to do it.
3: They're writing the Dojin <laughs> themselves. They're making the it up. The power of oh,
4: Dragon Time compels me. <laughs> Come on, Girth- Come on, <laughs>
3: uh.
4: Oh no, I'm about to tweet out the Girtha page. <laughs> Going to the Girtha fandom
3: page, <laughs> yeah, scrolling out a lot. A lot of facts and details.
4: <laughs>
0: nice.
1: Rita strangles one of the puppets, which was Pretty funny because she's just strangling a hand <laughs> and then quits, and it all descends into chaos. And Gary, who is in the big dragon costume, pokes his head out and says, oh, Holly, This is just not going to work. I-, I can't do the show and take care of Zach, too. It's just not fair to Zach. And just then, little Bud runs in with Zach in his arms, and he's like, Apparently, his appendix is about to explode. Hey, what's going on? D- did you drop him? No,
0: Zach. Did you drop him? I-, I think
4: it's
1: his appendix. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, has to go to the ER Thing. it's a very strange
3: seemed like a weird choice for the writing or anything but yes that was that was it <laughs> and
1: Bud
0: is like hey what about
3: the show somebody else
0: can take him come yeah. on let's... what a great boss hey no wait, gary it takes you half an hour to get into that thing when you come on you'll never make it back in time it takes half an hour to put it back on how is that even possible
1: i don't it doesn't look like it, it no looks like it's like some... a zipper it looks
3: like it would drop right it
0: off right out of the neck yeah
4: well, you know, I feel like we've come a long way in our, like, furry costuming. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're <laughs> right. right. You know, I don't think it used to be that easy. You're so right. These are probably, like, girdles from the 1950s and shit, you know? Yeah,
1: this was the, the Stone Age for cosplay. There was, like, bamboo cages under there. They yeah. had to
4: be sewn into their <laughs> costume.
0: Yeah. I didn't even so. think about it. It only takes me about 20 seconds to get out of my furry suit. We don't even have Rita. Yes, we do. Dale's going to get her back. I am? Do,
1: do whatever it takes to get her back. And then he picks Zach up and runs to the hospital, carrying Zach in his arms, still dressed as the drag. <laughs> and when he gets to the hospital, he gets his tail stuck in the automatic door. And the, the nurse comes out and we get a health insurance joke.
4: I don't know who you are or what you are, but I'll bet you don't have blue
1: <laughs> I've never been to a hospital with such an empty waiting room. Like There was nobody there. Yeah.
0: When I had appendicitis, that fucking waiting room was packed. And literally the only reason I got moved to the front of the line is because they thought I was about to die.
4: No, but see, you got to look at it not from a reality perspective, but from a pilot perspective. Uh, They didn't have money to pay extras that day. Oh, you're right.
0: You caught us. Didn't even think about that. It was being way too hard. I'm the dummy.
4: Yeah. No, I mean, you, you know, I'm willing, you know, I think earlier we were even commenting that it was shocking that they had a, a hospital set at That's all. Right. I think like they probably just ran in there and just like gorilla filmed. Gorilla filmed it. <laughs> just like quick while nobody's <laughs> here. Like. It was probably like I don't know what was good. Show back then. Run,
1: run over to General Hospital real quick.
4: St. elsewhere, Parker. <laughs> what, what were these other fucking medical shows?
3: Doogie Hauser, Lake Minnetonka, Lake Minnetonka Hospital. <laughs> like,
4: like Billy Parker, Wasn't there some shit like that? I don't even. This sounds
0: very familiar. And I cannot. Trapper John, cannot place it.
4: Yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you.
5: Look, my son's sick. I think it might be his appendix.
4: Come on, let's get you inside. You better stay out here, (laughs) Puff.
5: By the
1: way, this actress is named Marianne Muellerly. (laughs) 233 acting credits and still working today.
0: Crazy. That's incredible. (laughs) That is a working actor. She's in Terminator 2 or the, the Terminator. As the wrong Sarah, Sarah Connor.
4: Yes.
3: <laughs> yes. Whoa. Yes, she is. Wait, Terminator
0: Two. Terminator One.
3: Because he like goes through the through the phone book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The wrong Sarah Connor, even. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: So Gary turns on the TV in the waiting room and is astonished to see that Dell. As the dragon puppet, that's Gertha, and Rita are singing, You Are My Sunshine. You are
2: my soul, sunshine, you are sunshine. My only sunshine. sunshine. My only sunshine. You make me happy. Oh, baby. When the stars are bright, when the are
1: bright. And this has somehow saved the show. I don't know how
0: anyone would possibly want to watch this i love to watch the puppet and the sexy lady sing a song together it's one of my favorite things to <laughs> see on the tv
1: and i think we kind of get some shots of dell and he's like grimacing while he's trying to sing this like yeah you know, we're operating the puppet it's very strange like and we don't know why we don't know what he did or how he fixed this situation with her
0: also the fact that they're the show is aired live for some reason yes the, the, the show is aired live apparently. Makes no sense.
3: In, in, in the spirit of Puppet Master, I'll give you a little bit of insight into how I kind of see
2: shows <laughs> these days. Okay.
0: <laughs>
3: okay. Okay. I frequently look at shows these days as sort of, like, metaphorical in themselves. So, like, imagine every show, like, X-Files, I think, is a great example of a show. It's like, if you don't take it very literally, it's like a much better show, right? So... Like uh, I, I was thinking of maybe even in my head canon when, Pup- when Puppet Man or well, no, Dragon Time was on TV. We weren't getting like a real literal representation of what was happening but our kind of a sitcom pilot budget version of what we're seeing here. Ooh.
1: It's a metaphor
3: Yeah, it's a metaphorical display of what we're seeing behind the scenes. Because I mean think of all the, the, the extras and the cast and all the things that we didn't see. That's, it, to me if you think of every TV show as like a five percent version of real life or something then it's fine
2: <laughs> that is correct oh puppet master's puppet master.
3: back hello puppet master puppet master hello i'm back
5: i just wanted to say that was some some trenchant insight oh okay good
3: All right. back to my bunker thank you puppet man or puppet 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 master thank you thank puppet you puppet, puppet master sorry oh, puppet master you're the puppet master oh, this show is the puppet man sorry
5: get it straight
4: i'm the gatekeeper yes <laughs> it was
5: over here <laughs> Puppet Man is my son. <laughs> Mr.
3: Excuse me, Mr. Mr. Puppet Fred master. Newman is the puppet. Okay. Man. <laughs> it's true.
4: I wonder what university he got his puppet
3: puppetry doctorate from. I couldn't. I couldn't make it through the words without laughing.
4: A PhD in puppetry.
3: If someone's got it, he's got it, man. He's got the mouth noises going on. He's got all the misdirection. He's like reading a script while operating his hand behind the thing. He's got it all. He really is a puppet.
4: (laughs) I'm gonna Uh. sing it to the tune of Elton John's Rocket Man, of course. I'm a Rocket Man.
3: It's quite a talent, honestly. It's it's and it's being exhibited in a TV show, which is a very unique way. I mean, how else would you exhibit the talents of this man other than in some kind of show like this? Like the actual. As a man, he's 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 acting and doing the puppetry and doing the voices and all this stuff. It's really quite a showcase for his talent,
2: yeah.
1: He used to show up on Nickelodeon all the time, like I said, and he would do. <laughs> I remember he showed how you could walk behind a couch and like slowly lower your body, you know, like you're walking down a staircase.
4: Oh uh, yeah, classic blew
3: my mind. Wow. Okay, I think some neurons just fired and I kind of remembered some of that. Really? Mm-hmm, it's possible. I'll just have to do some more research. Okay, yeah, get back to us.
4: I'm going to I'm going to look up all of the famous mouth artists of our youth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we well, got we uh, got the guy from
1: Police Academy, right? Yes, Michael Winslow, a true artist.
4: Still at it? Did you see his fucking Led Zeppelin cover recently? Y'all need to Google that bit. Oh my god,
1: we'll put some of that in right here.
4: No, oh, yeah, no, totally, yes. God.
3: Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I'm gonna
2: Are you okay? He's fine. Oh, it wasn't his appendix? No, his stomach. Mr. Zach here
5: ate enough ice cream to qualify as a dairy product.
3: I feel like if a nurse said that to me, I'd be like, oh, okay, I definitely wasted all my time coming to the hospital, didn't I? Yes.
4: Okay. <laughs> I'd be like, what kind of dairy product? <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking like cheese? Are we talking like a goat cheese?
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe Is this like a Wisconsin amount of dairy joke? It must be. So like, So he ate like way way too much of of dairy this
1: show is gonna be constant cheese and dairy jokes That would have
3: been a state fair episode yes
0: yeah. oh
1: man you're right they would have had to have performed at the state fair at some point we could have gotten an- kind of yeah. butter cow. One of
0: the times I've been the most hungover in my life was after going to the uh Minnesota State Fair. Yes. Anyone that has been <laughs> knows that there are two things that you have to get at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, other than cheese curds. Obviously cheese curds number 1. You also have to get the bucket of cookies and hit up the all you can drink milk truck. Oh my god.
3: <laughs> that Sounds so extreme. We
4: did cover this on the... Because when I did go to... When I was in Minneapolis, I went to the State Fair. Yeah? And we did walk by the all-you-can-drink milk place. And I was horrified. (laughs) It's still real? It's real. Yes, It is still real. I love that it's still there.
3: We actually did an episode on the the State Fair.
0: I may have also drank an entire bottle of Old Grandad that night. (laughs) But the next day, I was more hungover and sicker than i have maybe ever been just a rotten body my body went rotten i'm surprised i didn't go entirely septic we'll put in some
1: some ads for the minnesota state fair right here
0: <laughs> that's a nice idea
2: hey hey we're gonna get together minnesota state
1: fair finally gary asks zach to stay with him in an extremely weird scene <laughs> where he is talking to Zach using the dragon puppet candle, who sounds like Elmo.
2: Candle. Oh, What? When did you get here? A little while ago.
0: Cheryl specifically said that she absolutely hates that kind of voice. Me too. And I, I kind of do too, even though, I don't know. I kind of like it though.
1: What has happened in the last couple of years is it started showing up in music you know, where they've like slowed down yeah. singing or whatever? <laughs> yeah. and Or sped it up, I guess.
4: It's a real Jar Jar Bink sound.
0: I think it's literally the same voice that, that he does for <laughs> Skeeter's little brother.
3: Oh, wow. You know what? That I'm is Doug. it.
4: Uh, yo, Dale.
5: <laughs> Meet my new friend, Doug. <laughs> Hello, Dale. Hi, your big nose.
4: And that's when it hit me for the first time. I had a big <laughs> nose.
3: That is it.
2: A <laughs> float. That's the voice. Everybody just shut this
0: fucking podcast off hearing that noise.
2: we we'll have to go back to Chicago. Why? I don't know that we'll live. Bob, I want you to stay here with me. I
4: can't. I live with my mom.
1: It's like a crescendo of, ob- of obnoxiousness. <laughs>
4: Well, I did just recently obtain a slide whistle. (laughs) (gasps) Did you? Yeah, I've used it once. I always keep forgetting to use it on our subsequent episodes, but I have a harmonica, a kazoo, I love that. and a slide whistle that I really, I think I just need to get better at all of them.
3: We've been talking about a theremin as well. I think that's possible. Yeah. We talk about spooky stuff. So <laughs> so,
0: yeah, so some, you might—you do need a theremin if you're going to talk about spooky stuff. Absolutely.
1: It's required. We'll just add in a little theremin right now. This, this whole time we've been talking, there's actually Actually,
4: been a theremin playing. Okay. No, I'm. Okay. No, we're gonna get a comb a and a piece of wax paper. Oh.
2: <laughs> okay.
4: The poor man's theremin. The analog theremin.
1: <laughs> I thought it would be like the saw, like hitting a saw with a hammer. I love the sound of that. I do too. But that's like a theremin. That's like a analog theremin. The
4: saw. I like the saw. Yeah. Then you could come to Madison and live with your dad. Would you like that? I don't
2: think you would let me. Why not? Maybe you will not want me around all the time. I'll bet you would. I'll bet you would want you here more than anything else in the whole world. How do you know? Because I'm already asking. What do you say, Zach? You want to come here and live with me? Most than anything. <laughs> oh!
0: You mean it? Will you come and live with me in Madison?
2: Yeah. It's weird. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That was a little weird. But I, you know, the thing is, I can visualize a parent doing that. I just, sure. I just, uh,
1: it's interesting because it's like, it's like the kid knows that it's his dad operating the puppet, but he talks to the puppet like it's, a person but he knows it's his dad yeah and i
3: have a feeling that he probably grew up doing that with his dad so they have probably right. back and forth it's
4: kind of well but they were never alone right so maybe yeah. it was the puppet oh wait wait you're
0: right where? they were never well, alone. also this i thought this was weird and i thought this was very much like an aspect of that being a real kid but when he's talking to that puppet he's like petting it
1: mm-hmm. yeah he's like hugging it and loving it yeah
0: he's like enamored with with the candle puppet. he's treating it like a pet yeah
1: yeah that's right like a dog or something
3: i think what we're dealing with is the child actor himself <laughs> yeah. is not fully aware of the emotions that we're expecting <laughs> of you know, the character in the scenario. Just act with that puppet. We're, 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 we've we headcaned ourselves into child actors being emotionally
0: developed. We, we're just going to need to go a different direction. Your child doesn't quite understand acting.
4: <laughs> we're always going to shake like, it under, like, incentive, <laughs> right? Handle. Like...
3: <laughs> I mean, we love your kid, but he doesn't get the puppet is
2: not
1: real, so... <laughs> So we get one last scene where we learn that they did, in fact, beat Eye on Madison, but only because they had to postpone when it was discovered, one of the milkmaids was transgender. Don't tell me. We beat Ion Madison in the ratings. No, no way. You can't compete with milkmaids and bikinis. <laughs> but you did win by default. They had to put on reruns. What are you talking about? Turns out one of the milkmaids was a milkman. Oh, was
2: it the blonde?
1: No, no, the redhead. Or the one you liked. <laughs> no, no, the one you liked. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure
2: why...
1: That would be an issue. Bizarre. But we get some very cringy jokes yeah. where Mitchell and Bud argue about who found this person attractive. Yeah. It's a really, really, really low note for this show to go out on his bad.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I guess things have changed since nineteen eighty seven. I don't
4: yeah, I don't have they But have they ruined?
3: I mean, hopefully, hopefully, exactly.
1: That kind of joke would have flown like in 2009, too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about the the John Stewart Supreme Court Justice chick with a dick.
1: Yes, we have. Oh yeah. We'll put that clip in here because everybody needs to hear that one more time.
2: As always in these debates, it's
1: left to the longest shot to say the craziest thing. (laughs) I give you Ohio
0: representative. Dennis i would nominate any gay to the supreme court or lesbian or bisexual or transgendered person to the supreme court yes yes
1: all rise for the honorable
2: justice chick with dick
0: that is one of the most horrendous things from a guy that i think has good intentions or had good intentions or that is one of those jokes that like I has mean, stuck I... with me and Whenever I think about him, I think about that joke. No, and it's I'm awful. going you want to hear this back. You're also, good on Dennis well, Kucinich.
1: Perhaps, per- perhaps he's changed. I would his assume opinion. as much. One would hope, but it, I guess it can show like how mm-hmm. far we've come because that was, you know, the fucking yeah. Daily Show.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. It was. There was definitely a time in. I would say my media devouring career when i was when i saw that show as a place to take reference from so yeah to see shit like that would be bad
2: (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) i'd be curious to see when also like from a timeline perspective maybe when we've started to see quite the opposite in media right not just representation but like the disappearance of those types of jokes you know I mean, certainly, I think there's probably folks who are still doing it, but like in mainstream media, absolutely on Comedy Central, there's no way that would happen. I don't think not like that. No. Yes. That's a different question to ponder.
1: Yeah, listeners, if you've heard Comedy Central making transgender jokes, yeah, send us an email. Send us a time code and an episode so we can call them out. It's fucking Time bullshit. Code. They shouldn't be putting that stuff on TV anymore.
4: Maybe there's like a blank number of days since place has been transphobic counter yes. online. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like it's one of the been three days. There has three to be.
1: Someone has said made a terrible transgender joke. on That's got to
0: be out there.
1: Somebody should be keeping
0: track of this. Yeah. If anybody can find it, Bri- Brian and Kathy can find it.
4: You know, it's probably on Tumblr somewhere, which means we probably need to go Ooh, back
2: oh. there. Oh, dare.
4: You know, the Library of Congress isn't archiving Twitter anymore, is it? Because it hasn't been for some oh. time, no?
0: Oh, I didn't. I wasn't aware of this. Oh, I, I'm I not. Know. I didn't realize that they had stopped.
4: But they did, right? Oh. For a while. I didn't hallucinate that.
3: I know that all government records were supposed to be like any kind of official government account was supposed to be like kept record of, at least. And like their replies, too, and stuff like that. Uh,
1: right? To the piloting error computer! Oh, oh,
4: no, I went. Oh, my God. No. Fascinating. Yeah, 20,
0: 2017 Library of Congress will no longer archive every tweet. Wow, as of twenty seventeen. Fascinating. Five years ago.
4: Wow. Yeah, only selective basis, which I don't know what that means. Huh. I'd love to hear their
3: really funny tweets. <laughs> <laughs> tweets to get more than five faves.
0: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> got to be a tweet with a picture of the the metal chairs that says late night talks and these be hitting different
3: <laughs> it's all the all, oh all, all the drill tweets they're whitelisting accounts and it's like all government representatives and they're like just drill also
4: so i just want to point out that the earl for where the library of congress has like updates it's like the earl and then it's like the name and then dash two i i don't know why but i find that hilarious
2: thank you <laughs>
4: thank you <laughs>
1: the last thing i want to talk about is the closing credits this is probably my favorite part of the whole show i wish we didn't have the announcer talking over it
0: stay tuned for more comedy and accountant banks his money on a circus when the cbs
2: summer playhouse continues with sawdust
1: but we see like the show end and then everybody leave the set and it kind of backs up and the set kind of goes dark and it's just sort of like this encapsulation of the whole show like it's like there's a show but then there's a show within a show and then there's but it's about the people making the show i don't know it was my favorite part the announcer is announcing the next thing that's going to come on which is another pilot that we might do one day called sawdust which starred leslie gordon can you explain something to me since you've been doing this for a while you're a pilot expert
3: at this point what when did they typically air a pilot that was only going to have like one episode and why would they and would they really air two of them back to back
1: yeah it's this pilot is part of a show called the cbs summer playhouse Mm. which was just pilots it was nothing but tv pilots
3: that is wild
0: yeah cbs summer playhouse sunday nights (gasps) it was anything that they did not pick up so that they could at least recoup a little bit of the money that they put into them interesting
1: i imagine a lot of these pilots had somewhere in their contract that they had to air at some point on television Yeah. so it was just a contractual out obligation
0: huh obviously this is is one that did air as a like a, a special movie or whatever but there were so many mm-hmm that aired as like special presentation films or whatever. Right. Like we did the Dr. Strange pilot doorways doorways, Doorways, George R. R. Martin pilot. Those all aired on like a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, just in a dead spot.
1: They have a little bit higher budget and they're going to make, you know, something that's an hour and a half long. They can try and package it as a movie. (laughs) Then they can sell it, you know, on DVD or whatever. And it's usually just very confusing. Like doorways, would have been very confusing because of the way that it ends
0: yeah the formula of the show which is clearly like we are setting this up to have a different set piece a la sliders sliders, S- sliders that's the one i was thinking of
1: which is what it's mostly most of the time people compare doorways to sliders. yes yeah. go back and watch episode three of our podcast
0: well don't watch it
4: just listen to it Well, I'm fascinated by some of these other items in the CBS Summer Playhouse offering. They do Coming to America in season three.
0: Whoa. We will definitely be covering that one. Yeah that's that's up there
4: and there's one called curse of the corn people in season three which also just for my love of horror movies really tickles me but wow yeah no that's that's wild to think that yeah like cbs was like yeah how do how can we continue to monetize these pilots that aren't going anywhere
3: was america's desire for like the divorce dad energy that big at that time was that a trend yet
0: you know what this is precursor to Full House, you've got a, like, mm. fucked up Ooh. puppet voice guy. Is it made of red? It is. You've got single dad. I used to suck dick for coke. i seen him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, shit. Oh, no.
3: Oh, my. What oh, happened? you
1: know, Fred Newman, actually, he showed up on Out of Control. Which was a, a show that had a, a Dave Coulier on it on Nickelodeon, really? and they had a sound effects battle where they were both doing sound effects back and forth. Glad you brought that up because now I can put it in here.
3: <laughs> this is incredible! Please, please, oh my god!
2: Wow. To finish off this show, why don't we have a duel with mouth sounds? But Diz Fred Newman wrote the book on mouth sounds. <laughs>
3: i love that that was incredible that was quite a moment we just had there we just shared a real dave coulier moment
4: <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna go sing some alanis morissette about it
0: <laughs> i i don't know if i've ever talked about this on this show but that was like my favorite <clears throat> album for a long time when i was like what pre-teen <laughs>
1: Oh, Jagged Little Pill? Yeah. I loved that.
0: I loved
1: it. Good stuff. Yeah.
3: That album for me, let's see, what would be let's see, what would be that album? That would be a Bernaker Lady's first album. Oh. That would be mine of that era. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know. Oh, I found it at the record store. That's how I found
1: Canadian rock music.
0: Amazing.
1: I was listening to Beck.
0: Yeah. Odele.
4: Yeah, I was probably like listening to like definitely maybe by Oasis on repeat oh yeah that was that same era now that went what year did all this shit come out 95 yeah wow nuts
1: thanks odelay fashion nugget from k sublime first album or not first album but their self-titled album
0: oh my cousin gave me that one time when i was visiting utah and on the drive from utah back to texas I probably listened to that Sublime album a hundred and fifty times. <laughs> I was obsessed.
3: You wanna know something? I had never really heard Sublime until about like last year. Really? <laughs> I'd never like I had never like listened to any of their albums.
0: Wow, we're
4: gonna have to have a deeper conversation yeah. about this.
0: I'm guessing that we're we're all in the same age range, right? Like Stu I, is Stu, you're yeah, 40, I'm forty, I'm thirty-eight. I'm like thirty five like Forty-one. Yeah, y'all. We're like all in the same sure. age range. Generally, the same.
4: Neil Tusk is where we seem to be. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Do you have a point? Just that they were all the same age. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>